Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli. The following is an interview with Sarah Wiss. Sarah is the head girls cross country and track and field coach for Fort Wayne Homestead. During this interview, we cover Sarah's coaching journey, her coaching philosophy, her experience as a female in a mostly male field, and her own running journey. If you've ever been around Sarah at a meet, you know how passionate she is about seeing her girls succeed. Sarah has been coaching for 30 plus years, and it was awesome to get to glean some wisdom that only experience can teach. I also really enjoyed hearing her running journey. It is very unique, to say the least. Again, thank you all for listening to and supporting this podcast. If you have any feedback or guests you'd like to see on, feel free to reach out. As always, I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And without further ado, I give you Sarah Wiss. Sarah, welcome to the Indiana Runner podcast. How's it going? It's well. I'm going. It's going good. Thank you. Weather's great, and you know we're excited for. Well, I know it'll be cold, cold again next week, but you know yeah. we'll take this week. I know it's been so hot the past couple of days. Um, how's your winter been? How was I guess the indoor season? Our indoor season was. I I was very pleased with our indoor track season. Um, you know, we ended up fifth overall in the large school. And I don't, I mean, I, I could never, I would never have uh, foreseen that. Um, you know, we have um, Ellie Irwin in the high jump. We have a pretty good hurdler who didn't make it to the finals, but she's only a sophomore. Um, our distance crew, they, um, they, you know, lights out. Everybody um, just ran better than they had ever run before. So that's, that was exciting. That's awesome. Do you guys put a, a pretty big emphasis on indoor or like, where do you kind of fall with that? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I, I don't, um, but I, I, I think we see it as a stepping stone to the outdoor season. Mm -hmm. um, we have kids that have the opportunity to compete, especially your field event people or throwers and um, long jumpers, high jumpers that we don't, you know, that wouldn't normally, unless we don't have a facility, an indoor facility. So that makes it really um, difficult to long jump and high jump and do all of those things. But this year um, <clears throat> we spent uh, four days a week at Turnstone, uh, which yeah. is an indoor facility in Fort Wayne. So we were fortunate to be able to um, have that facility to use um, so we could long jump and high jump, pole vault, throw. So uh, that was uh, that was a, a real um, kind of a double-edged sword, but it was a real treat to be able to be inside, especially with sprinters. You're not, you don't have to run on the hard floors mm -hmm. and things like that. So, yeah. so just using that indoor season as a stepping stone to the outdoor season. Absolutely. Is that a pretty new facility? Or have you guys been using it for a while? No, this was our first year that we, um, we're under a huge renovation homestead is right now. I mean, like a brand, it'll be a brand new building. It's just in phases. Um, we don't have a plan for a field house. 
Um, so um, using the facility at Turnstone this year was our first year of doing that. Um, Ian Wilson, he was instrumental in helping us uh, secure that this season. So that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, we start off each episode with a little tear talk. Um, and the question for this week is if you had to up and move to any country, what would be your top three choices? Uh, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? You can go first. All right. Um, I, I should preface this. I'm not a huge, huge travel person. Like I, I guess like if I had the opportunity to like go travel somewhere for a week, I would, I'd probably take it, but I feel like I'm just like pretty busy. Um, I, I think I'd prefer like a, a weekend trip, maybe a little easier to pull off, you know, somewhere you can drive kind of thing. But if I did have to up and move to any other country, my number three is Germany. Um, I don't know, there weren't a ton of like rhyme or reason to, to these three picks, to be honest. I think Germany would just be a cool place to to live and to even just like to visit. Um, I don't know, it's offer, offer a lot, a lot of cool places to see. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is Ireland. I think... I don't know. A lot of like adventure movies take take place in like uh like New Zealand or Scotland yeah. or Ireland. Yeah. Um. So I think it just be the nature there would be would be beautiful. Um. And they just seem like a, a cool people. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Um, number one is Sweden. Um. Hmm. I don't know. They just seem kind of like uh, I don't know, on the cutting edge of a lot of like different like policies and philosophies, and they seem like a pretty unique type of of people and it'd just be interesting to see like how they live and I don't know I feel like it'd be a cool place to to live for a time yeah that yeah and you're right that is that that those are three really cool places that that would um be a lot of fun and um there's so much history in all of those so that would be that would be awesome yeah Sweden is very unique yeah is have you been to any of those places? I have not been to any of those places, although I've been to France and okay. to Japan and to China. Um, but no, I and and those were not places that I selected. I maybe because I'm older, I wanted something that was a little slower. But okay. I, would, I I would like to go to Ireland and what I I, what I would like to do in Ireland is that they offer these um, horseback riding adventures, and I would oh, love cool. to do that. That would okay. that would be that would be. I don't I don't think I have anything in in any particular order, but I would also like to spend a lot of time on the Pacific coast of Mexico. Oh, cool! Have you been? Yes, and okay. it was very nice and very relaxing. Very relaxing. Not I've not been to the um to the Gulf side of Mexico, but um the ruins there are pretty cool and and I and I'd like to that opportunity. And then I don't know. I I don't have I guess I don't really have oh Italy. I would like to go to Italy because I would like to eat down one side of the coast and then eat back up the other (laughs) and buy bigger pants. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awesome. Do you, do you travel a lot? Uh, we don't, we, we used to, but we don't anymore. Again, um, just really got crazy busy. Um, mm-hmm. 
with, um, yeah, with just um, teaching and coaching. And my husband um, owns um, his own business. So we, um, so my, our seasons are really busy. His fall is really busy. His spring is really busy. And so is mine. But hopefully someday, if and when we retire, we'll have the opportunity to do that. Definitely. I'm a, I'm pretty new and young into to coaching, but it's been pretty amazing. Just this is my first year at Carmel and the, the season has just flown by. It's crazy to like coming back from spring break. It's crazy to think there's maybe what seven or eight weeks left of the season. And then we're done for the year. I know it is crazy. <laughs> it was fast. So this is your first year at Carmel. Have mm-hmm. you, uh, are you a first year teacher then? Um, I actually work for an accounting software company um near like the keystone fashion mall uh-huh. in indy uh but it's like it's super flexible with like i'm able to get off around four and make it to, to carmel's practice and so um I'm, but I'm looking to get into school setting i think it'd be i don't have an interest in being a school counselor one day i'm kind of working towards going back to school for that um but i'm not currently in the school right now okay uh, yeah. Well, and counseling is, is big. I mean, we need lots of school counselors and it's not, it's not as stressful as other, perhaps like an in administration. No, thank you. <laughs> that is like over that. I couldn't do that. And I've been teaching, this is my 36th year of teaching. So what, uh, what do you teach? I teach um, advanced placement, world history, and um psychology and um sometimes i teach world history it just depends on what the need is and how many students we have have you always taught those three i um i've been at homestead so i taught world history um to seventh graders for 17 years and now i have mostly freshmen and sophomores okay not much of a change. <laughs> yeah. Do you like, do you prefer that, that age range, like the middle school, young high school? I, I like, I like, they're not afraid of anything, you know, they're still, um, they're still, they, they still like you, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when sometimes when you have juniors and seniors, they already have the, they've already established their friends. They've already established, um, their Mm -hmm. likes and their dislikes and their it's not that they're not open to new discoveries maybe they're just less open Mm -hmm. to change or why do I have to have her as a teacher or why do I have (laughs) him as a teacher and I only took this class because um there wasn't anything else to take and those types of things so yeah did you always know that you wanted to teach it was always in the back of my um my head I think um I I always I mean history I've always loved history um I and am just a voracious reader mm-hmm. um but I never thought that I would last 36 years or 35 years as a teacher never thought that that would be the thing that the only thing that I've ever done um, in in my I guess in my professional life 
Did you ever have a, a moment where you thought about doing something else? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not recently. <laughs> okay. Well, that's but good. I didn't, you know, I in I worked um um for a small company before I right out right out of college. And so I did all of their accounting work. And so um I knew I didn't want to do that. Mm. That wasn't, you know, I mean, I liked the people that I worked with and, and, but, and, and it really gave me a great foundation uh, um, of skills that I really didn't have when I walked into the job, but mm. it wasn't something I wanted to do forever. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a, a very similar spot. So did you go to school for accounting or for teaching or where, what did you go? No, for? actually um, I graduated from IU with a bachelor's degree in history. Okay. And then um, decided, well, if I'm not going to law school, I should probably do something with that degree. And um, so when I graduated in 83 from IU, the economy was pretty, I mean, you probably weren't even born in 83, but um, <laughs> the account you weren't. No. <laughs> <laughs> just turn the knife <laughs> um, but the but overall the economy was really pretty poor and so it, it was very stagnant and so there weren't a lot of opportunities um there was there were hardly any teaching jobs mm. so worked in that um field of accounting for about two and a half years and my husband said, you know, if you're ever going to teach, you're going to need to get your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. So I left that job and got a job at DeKalb. Sub I subbed for a semester and then got a job at DeKalb High School. Okay. Um, and that was, it was a temporary and then got my call from Southwest and I've been at Southwest ever since. Okay. What about uh, coaching? How did you get involved in that? Um, when I graduated, um, at my former high school where, um, when I graduated from IU, um, my mother-in-law was the PE teacher there. And she's like, Hey, uh, there's a cross country opening and you really need to apply for that job. So I did, and I really wanted to coach. So I, I mean, it was, I, I, I always, felt like that was something I wanted, you know, that would be part of my uh, professional life with teaching, that coaching and teaching, they just went together. I mean, coaches, teachers are coaches. You constantly coach kids mm. to write better, to work harder. And and it was, you know, it was, they, they go hand in hand. So <clears throat> she's the one who got me that job and then um, just kept rolling it from there. Yeah. Did you... No, you wanted to coach like cross country and track or were you open to doing anything? Um, I really wanted to coach cross country and track. However, when I was at DeKalb, I didn't, I, I coached freshman girls basketball okay. and I did not play basketball, but the, um, the head coach that was there, he, he was like, I promise, I promise we'll never leave you alone. You'll be just fine. Um, we'll help you in any way that we can. And, and my husband, he would sit on the bench with me because he knew basketball, but you know, I never played the game. So I'm serious. We, um, 
one evening had <clears throat> a friend come over and in our kitchen showed me how to set a pick. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so that, so, but I did that. I did that for, I only did that, but then I did that when I went to the middle school too, I coached, um, um, track and, um, middle school cross country as a volunteer. And then, um, um, varsity track at Homestead with Ian Tiernan. So, okay. <clears throat> so did you, uh, with that season of basketball, did you, uh, have any desire to like keep coaching basketball or did you enjoy oh, at least like coaching? <laughs> I just, I did enjoy those kids because I had the freshman girls and they were, mm -hmm. they were so great and they were pretty good. And, um, and, and they, they tolerated my, my um, lack of experience. I won't call it stupidity. It was truly lack of experience, mm -hmm. but they were really good to me and their parents. And, you know, they were, they just supported me and, and the head coach um, and assistant coaches, they were really terrific too. And they, they, they helped me. And anytime I had a question, they helped me. And, um, so yeah, it was just some late, late nights, you know, that basketball season is long and snowy. Yeah. 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 Dark too. And dark. Um, so you knew you wanted to do, to coach cross country and track. Um, so what, uh, what's your background in running? Like how, what's your, I guess, yeah, your personal experience with it? Well, um, I, so one of the questions that, so you said, how did I like get into it? So mm -hmm. everybody must have that one PE teacher, um, that goes, you know what, you're not bad. And I'd like for you, because in middle school, they only had the 800. And she's like, hey, you know, we could use you there. You did a pretty good job in probably some presidential fitness test, right? That was yeah. probably <laughs> it. <laughs> and so she lassos everybody in with that. And, and so <clears throat> I always ran the 800. I got to run on the relays and that was just fun. It, it, it was fun. It was fun. And, you know. Mrs. Pitcher, she's an awesome lady. And, and, um, and so after that, I'm like, Hey, I can do this. This is, this is, I can't really, I couldn't play basketball. Wasn't very good at softball. Uh, um, volleyball was certainly out of the question. So <laughs> I could run, I could run, you know? And so I liked that. And, and, and I was successful, um, through high school, um, and, in high school, we didn't have a girls cross country team. So my junior year, I joined the boys team. What high school did you go to? Heritage High School. Okay. It's a small. It's, yeah, outside of Fort Wayne, about 15 miles outside of Fort Wayne. Okay. Southeast. And um, so I decided my, one of my friends said, you know what, if you really are serious about like getting to the state meet and, and being a true competitor, you're going to have to run all year round. So you're going to have to run on the boys team. So I ran on the boys team. <laughs> wow, it was, it was awesome. I mean, and um, I mean, they accepted me. They, we had a, they were, there's still some really good friends that, you know, even though I was the only girl on the team, they made sure that they took care of me, you know, they made sure that I was welcome and, 
And and I, I appreciate that from them. I know that wasn't an easy thing for them to do. Here comes a girl. You know, what if she beats me? That's what my mom said. What if you beat the boys? I'm like, mom, <laughs> there's no mother of any boy who's going to call you and say, we don't want your daughter running because she beat my son. So, yeah. Anyway. Was that pretty intimidating to join the boys team? Mm, I think what was. No because they were my friends. They were already my friends. So no, I think, I, I think not. I do remember, I remember though, like our first, very first, my very first cross country practice, um, we ran repeat 800s. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I just PR'd. <laughs> you put in all those summer miles that you've never mm -hmm. done before. And, and, and you go, wow, that, I could do that. I could do that. So that felt really good that, you know, those little, little accomplishments. I don't know to, I, you know, when you're 15 or 16 years old and I don't know, you just want to, you just want to test the waters and that's kind of what I did. So, yeah. So did you do anything your, your freshman and sophomore year during like the cross country season? No. Okay. No, I did not. And then oh, for, I think I, oh, go ahead. I was a cheerleader my freshman year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically cross country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I did that my freshman year. And then after that, that wasn't any fun. I didn't really, it wasn't as much fun as being on an athletic team or having a group of, of uh, teammates. And so, cause I, I ran track of course in the spring, but um, didn't really train through that until, um, you know, my, my junior year, my end of my sophomore year into my junior year of high school. So. Okay. So did you train with the girls during track? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had a real, we had a really nice core of, of young runners um, that we had, we basically all trained together. And so it wasn't like we didn't have a huge team. Um, but there were probably six distance runners that we all trained together. So we, you know, interspersed the 1600 and the 800. Actually, um, we were still um, on the English system. We didn't have metrics yet. That didn't come until 1980. Okay. That's so, cool. So, yeah, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you have any like favorite moments from, from high school or like the early days of, of running? Well, I don't know if it was, if it's running related, it's mostly the meets, the meets were, mm -hmm. we always ran, um, um, the conference teams in our conference, we all ran on a Tuesday night, um, at the same place so that you competed against each other kind of in a round robin fashion. And, um, and so that would be every Tuesday night. And, and, and it was, it was, it was fun because you went, we went to Shove Park and we, um, we, we, it was familiar. So, and that's a, a neighborhood park. Uh, they used to run the uh, Snyder Classic there and some things like that. But um, I, I don't know if I could, should tell this. I try not to tell this story, but probably the funniest thing that ever happened was one of our boys, um, so the coach used to drive the bus, right. Mm -hmm. And the school bus. And so one of the boys 
he was a senior. I, I won't name his name, um, <laughs> but he stole the bus and he's like driving it down the driveway and c- coach is going, stop driving the bus. You can't drive the bus. And he's like, I am driving the bus. I am driving the bus. Coach, I am driving the bus. <laughs> what was he trying to do? Was he was he planning to drive it far? Or? He was just going to drive it around the circle of the park and then put it back where Coach had parked it. <laughs> That's hilarious. But you would never get away with that today. One yeah. of my girls grabbed the keys and took the bus. I would be like screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Did he get in trouble? No, it was yeah. No. <laughs> Uh, so did you end up running in college or I did did take you yeah I did um I did run in college um not four years um it was a so my team was the very first full Indiana team um that was fielded so that's awesome yeah, we were the very first women's team that was fielded. So um, we were not under NCAA rules at that time. Um, I think it was, is it AIAW? So we were not NCAA sanctioned at that time. And then uh, I think the following year in 80, we became sanctioned uh, under NCAA rules. So yeah, I ran cross country and track at IU and yeah, it's, it's too funny because well, it, it, it's not like it, there was no social media, you know, mm. we didn't know anybody. We were, we were probably so terrible. We were, I'm not, we had great, great people, but talented people, but like, we weren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> So did you not end up running all four years? No, I did not. Injuries Mm. and a change in coaching staff, um, a lot of change in coaching staff uh, for three years um, after Coach Witten um, left. That's who, he didn't really recruit anybody. You just kind of made a phone call or wrote a letter and said, hey, I'd like to join your team. Here are my stats. And then he would call you and say, yeah, if you're coming to IU, stop in and meet me. And yeah, you could probably run there and um, and stuff like that. We probably had 10 or 12 girls, women. Okay. So who were who were some of the better teams in the nation? Purdue, this time? Purdue oh, was amazing. They, um, they just were just talented from one to seven, probably one to 12, just amazing. Um, Michigan State was pretty good. Um, also, Michigan, pretty good. So, Have their programs been around for, for longer? Um, the women's side? I think Purdue's had. He had, his kids were, we were mostly freshmen and sophomores and his kids were juniors and seniors. So um I don't know. Do you I don't know if you remember Fred Wilt or the name Fred Wilt. He was familiar. the coach at Purdue for a really long time. Okay. Yeah, he's not he's dead now, but Okay. <laughs> he wrote he wrote a couple books and things like that. So Okay. Uh so then you studied 
history. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have, or what plans did you have for, for post-college? Like, what did you think you would do with that? Well, it would maybe law school, but then I didn't really think I wanted to do law school. Um, maybe some kind of graduate school, but no, I really needed to finish my um, education certification. And so that's why, so then I just came back to Fort Wayne after that. Okay. And then, you know, and worked and tried to get a teaching job and coached a little on the side and tried yeah. to f- make my way. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what was running or like, I guess the culture of running, like during this time, like how popular was it? How did people view it? Like what, uh, yeah. What, what was running like during this time? Well, there certainly wasn't the technology with shoes like there is now. I mean, I probably, I mean, we never, we never thought about how many miles do we have on our shoes? Oh, maybe I need new shoes um, or anything like that. Like you would, you would wear those in all honesty, probably as long as you could wear them. (laughs) You know, we have kids that do that and we come unglued, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> when, how, how many miles do you have on those shoes? My knee hurts. How many miles do you have on those shoes? Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I don't think we, we really worried about that. Um, the clothing. Oh my goodness. I don't think that there were even sports bras then. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I mean, <laughs> There were, so the tech, the, but I mean, people ran there, running was big, but, mm. but the technology maybe had not caught up to the popularity, mm. you know, Nike, of course, Nike was big, but I mean, um, maybe Saucony, um, Asics was big, but they didn't have, like, they didn't have their shoes weren't like they were now. So mm. it was pretty, I would call those the primitive days. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. It seems like especially shoe technology is really like ramped up over the past I don't know, 10 or so years. Mm-hmm. Were there any other big, like, I don't know, I guess changes like that you've seen since you've started running and been around running? I think, I think training wise, I, I think when you think back training wise, so everybody like all of the workouts were like cookie cutter workouts um everybody did the same workout so you might do six one thousands or eight one thousands but everybody did those um it wasn't like well you're a freshman and you're not going to do the big girl workout um there really wasn't there really wasn't any differentiation um I think to the training work. I think that's why kids, why many of us ended up injured and mm. not running for four years, you know. So yeah. uh maybe- what about what about for you? Like when you I guess when you first started out coaching, like what uh what was your your training like? What was your kind of mindset heading into your first couple of years coaching for cross country and track? Um, well, track was easy because I only had to focus on the distance runners because I was an assistant coach. 
Mm-hmm. So, so then you only have your little pod of people. And um, so it, it's not, <clears throat> it's, you just, you're dealing with three events or four events and you're not dealing with the whole gamut of, of the field events and the technicalities of it. So I think that that was a really good way to get my feet wet and, and to build some confidence in my own um, coaching. Um, track wise, my favorite event to coach and write workouts for is probably the 800. Mm. I love that race. I just think it's like, it's all guts. And I, I think it's just phenomenal. I love that race. I, I love the other ones too, but, um, but that one, if I, you know, I like to specifically sit down and think about a workout. All right. I have, a, you know, this kid that's, you know, or, um, how fast can you run a 400 and then see what you can do with that 400 meter kid by moving them up. Mm. Um, do you train each group a little bit differently? Like, especially or specifically on the the distance side. You mean like grade grade wise, or I guess like event wise. So like 800 versus 16 mm-hmm. versus two. Um, sometimes you, it depends on if you have, so, you know, I, I kind of break things into, um, if, when I'm, when I, I have an assistant coach who does the distance kids now, but when I did coach distance kids, I had kind of a group of 32, 16 kids, and then a kid group of kids that were 16, um, eight that would kind of interchangeable. Um, and then sometimes we had a group that were eight, four kids. So mostly they were eight, but they would also be in the four by four. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, how long were you an assistant, like for distance, and then like when I'm did sorry? you make the trans? Uh, how, when did you make that transition to uh, to being the the head coach for track in, and not just distance? Um, well, this will be my third season of being the head track coach, so okay. I'm still adjusting. I still have this huge learning curve <laughs> mm-hmm. for those technical events. And, um, and, um, so my friend, Ann Tiernan had been there for almost 30 years and then she retired in 2020. And I was honestly, was not looking to be, um, appointed to that position, but since I had been there for so long, (laughs) I guess they just assumed that I would take it. It was it was a really hard transition for me because I had to let go of my distance kids that were also my cross country kids. So. Yeah, definitely. But I'm coping. <laughs> <laughs> Making through. Uh, what What's kind of been the value of being at Homestead for as long as you have been like being able to uh, kind of lay down roots in the, the community and just continue to build like culture year over year. Like how, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that uh, the continuity is uh, really important. We have two middle schools and those middle schools feed. Um, and and I think that 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 has been really important for the overall success of the program. <clears throat> so and I I think that the expectation is the same year in and year out. So when you have 
uh, incoming freshmen, your seniors and juniors already know um, how to bring them along and what the, uh, you know, building that positive culture, bringing them in. I mean, it's, I always think it's kind of cool because when all through summer, when we're running together on the first day of school, those kids already have friends. Those freshman girls already have friends. They already have somebody that's looking out for them at lunch. They have somebody that's looking out for them in the hallways. And, and I think that that, that makes it a really um, gives it, it, it becomes a really tight knit group. Those distance kids, they're, they're tight. You know, I mean, you coach them, you know how they are. And, yeah, and 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 it's not like they don't want anybody else in there. It's just that it's just that they know how to do everything. They know how to do the um the warm-up, they know how to do all of the plyos, they know how to do the the strengthening, and they know all of the things that that we do because we do that um in we start that in the summer. So yeah, is that a point of emphasis for you guys to make kind of like a, a welcoming community where the, especially the younger girls feel like they're a part of the team? Oh, I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. I mean, you know, even, I mean, it, I think when you're in high school, it's really important to have a place to land um, where you feel comfortable and you can be yourself and that you can grow from there. I think that's really an important part. And I think that that in, in our, you know, like this year, our freshmen, oh my goodness, they were so excited to be a part of, of the team. And, and I was like, wow, really? Because that's pretty cool. I mean, they were vocal about, it. oh gosh, we were so excited. We can't wait to be a part of it. And I'm glad they were because they helped us to be pretty successful throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that like most years, your senior girls take a lot of ownership of, of the team? Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I think we expect that of them. Um, I think that that's, I think that that's, I think they look forward to that. I think that when you're uh, a sophomore and a junior that you, you, they always defer to the seniors, but I think mm -hmm. that, um, that they can't wait to be in that leadership role. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, so for specifically coaching girls, what, what have you learned that's maybe different from from coaching boys unique that uh I don't know maybe you've learned like through the years that you didn't really realize at first or anything like that Well I would say one of the things that I have learned is that you can't push progress mm -hmm. and it's okay if not every athlete runs the same workout and that and that's in cross country that it's okay to differentiate it's okay to pull back a little bit with your um kids who are um who don't have maybe a more advanced running age um and and i think that i think i think that is a lesson that took me a long time to learn maybe i'm a slow learner i don't know <laughs> um but, um, or maybe I just thought our kids were tougher. Um, but, but that's one of the things that don't be afraid to differentiate, um, especially with your younger kids to your older kids. And don't be fooled in thinking that because 
your one of your younger kids is a superstar that she is ready for what your senior kids are doing because that's the furthest thing from the truth mm, that's good uh what else about like your your training philosophy uh like would you mind sharing maybe are there key workouts you really enjoy that you've written in the past or anything about mileage or progression we, yeah. uh one of the okay i don't know if this is we call it the beast and I'm sure somebody else might have another name for it. And um, one of our, one of our former runners, um, her senior year kind of put this together and she's like, let's try this, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And so we run hard mile on the track and then, um, and, and this is like for time and sometimes like this is like here's here their target time targets for everybody to hit and then we jog to the corner um and then um it's uh let's see how far is that it's a mile down and um and then when you get so then so you can run we break it into parts so top kids run a mile down and then they do eight to 10 repeat hills and then they run a mile with whatever they got left in the tank back hey that sounds tough and then yeah and then they call it the beast but they they really like it because we run it early in the season and then we run it again and then we run it again at the end of the season and we keep track of all of their all of the, all of the times, like, okay, what was your, what was this thousand or what was that thousand? And, um, and they, they're like, oh my gosh, we got better. We got better. We got better. Mm. So they can see progress. That's one of our favorite workouts that we do. We do mile repeats. Um, that's another one. That's some field work that we do. Um, I think everybody does mile repeats. We do thousands. I mean, there's no, um, I don't have any recipe book that I go to and go, Oh, haven't done that one for a while. Lay mm -hmm. it out. Always lay it out, lay the calendar out starting in um, August and move through October. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is a lot of value in having like special workouts like the beast to kind of just to break up the monotony of kind of more simple training. Um, even if it isn't that much different or crazier, um, it's just like something to look forward to. I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, what about on like the culture side of things? Um, is there anything you guys do that's that's fun? Or are you trying to build that kind of inclusive culture uh, that you want to see? Um, I think one, there are a couple of things, but um, I think one of the things that, um, so I'm going to say early on, like in the 90s, late 90s, we had a group of really good group of freshman girls and they were so smart. And one of the girls, we went um, to lunch before the, before we left for the state meet and um, her mom had all of these ladybug things like ladybug cookies and ladybug pins and um, ladybugs all over. And, um, and that's been something that's become kind of our symbol and every t-shirt, everything has a, a ladybug on it. Doesn't ladybug doesn't have to be red. Ladybug can be royal or yellow, but there's, there's a ladybug on, on almost every t-shirt from cross country that I have. 
That's so, fun. Yeah. And, and they look forward to that. And they ask every year, now, why do we have a ladybug? I'm like, I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was those who came before you and they were a great group of kids. So, but they, you know, even this year, whenever we had um, our t-shirts, the, the company forgot to put the ladybug on it. And oh. we're like, well, we can just keep it. And the girls are like, no, send it back. We need the <laughs> That's cool. So are you pretty open to like, it seems like you are to, if the girls have ideas for, for training or for cultural type things, like you're, you're ready to run with it. Um, yeah. As long as it's not illegal. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Um, Does it get me fired? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good barrier to keep <laughs> up there. Um, what advice would you give younger coaches starting out? Like maybe, I don't want to say like mistakes that you see young coaches make, but maybe just some things that you, maybe you'd even go back and, and tell yourself if you could, like don't do this or do do this or um, anything like that. Um. So one of the things that I think is really important is, um, and maybe, and this may be a maturation point for me, um, but I, I think it's really important that um, that kids know, that your, your student athletes know that you care about them outside of being an athlete. Mm. So I don't run with them anymore. I ride my bike. And um, when and we have conversations about things that do not pertain to running, and and I think that that is really important. It doesn't pertain to school. It doesn't pertain to running. Um, it pertains to something that they're interested in. And and I would I I would say that that is a really important part of showing them that you care about them as people and not just as an athlete. Mm, I love and that. that would be, one thing that I would tell my tell myself, hey, be a little bit more relaxed. <laughs> yeah. Do you even see that like translate to maybe those conversations about running or about school? Like they, if, since they know that you care about them as more than just an athlete or um, a student, that they're more willing to have maybe harder conversations about running or things like that. I, I do. I do. I think that opens. I, I think that's I think that that helps them see that there's an open door between um, in our relationship. So if you have something um, that maybe there's something that you feel. So sometimes kids come to you. I don't know if they come to you, but they come to me and they're like, I really feel like this is the kind of workout that I might need. Um, and we have a conversation. Um, well, you know, starting with why do you think that that's a workout that you need? Um, and what, what's the total point of that? Where, what, I guess, what systems does it work and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so we start, I, I think that, I think that that helps them. It, I think it's funny because they think that you don't see everything, but <laughs> you, do. you do, you see that, you didn't run the cool down today. Mm. Um, 
or you didn't finish the workout the way that it needed to be done. And, and I don't mean that to be critical, but I also mean the good things like, you know, you know what, I saw that you um, throughout the week, you were killing those 1000s this week. I watched how you've moved up in the group um, on, on mileage days and things like that. And I think that's important to communicate to those kids, those things. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you found it easier or harder to kind of connect with the students as like, I don't know, technology and just everything that's get gets thrown at them nowadays? Like, do you find it? Is it has that impacted your ability to like connect with them now that they have so many distractions in their life? I don't. I I guess maybe some. I don't. I think the majority of them no. I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I'm a classroom teacher. And so the expectations in my classroom, I mean, you're taking a college prep course. So, I mean, and, and I think that that carries over to what we do in practice here. I, I don't, I don't pretend to tell them something that I don't believe in. I don't, I don't tell them things I don't believe in. Um, but I, and you need to be at practice and you need to finish the workout and you, here's where you need to be. And, and I think that, that once that's all laid out in front of them, that it's easier for them to buy in. There aren't any secrets. There aren't any secrets mm -hmm. to success and there aren't any secrets to coaching really. I mean, put the expectation out there and let them come to the expectation. Hmm, that's good. I'm a I'm a huge like people pleaser. Uh, something I'm like aware of, but something I've been thinking about recently is like having a, I guess like a higher value than that. Like I, I don't know. I want to value what's actually best for my athletes. Um, like the, the athletes I'm interacting with then I want to value that more than I value like my own like security or my own wanting to be liked. Um, um, like if I, you know, like if I need to have a hard conversation with someone about like not doing the cool down or not doing this or that, like you're saying, like I want to want what's best for them more than I want to feel like liked, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's something I've been, I've been thinking about recently just like having that, that higher value or higher care for the athlete. That's a real counselor thing. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I'm already ready. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what has it been like being a female in the coaching space? Well, there are a lot of meets that you go to and then there, uh, I mean, throughout my coaching career, um, Tammy Barron's my assistant coach and I would be the only women. <laughs> and I, and, and every year I, when we go to the state meet, I count how many women coaches are here. Mm. I do. I, and, and I, and it's not because it, it, it's just like, where's our presence? You know, we have, we have 24 girls teams and we'll have maybe, maybe six women coaches. Wow. So I, I think that, I think that when, when they see when and I and that doesn't take anything away from the men. It's just that I really think it's important that they see us 
our our athletes see us in those leadership roles mm. um, and that they can be strong women, they can be positive women, they can be angry women, mm. they can be competitive women. I think that's really important that that we that we show them what what we are and mm. what we can be. Why do you think it is that there are less females in in coaching positions? I think, well, I think, I think that um, when you are, so I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a teacher, I am cook, I'm I'm the, you know, I'm the chef, I'm the laundry person, I'm, you know, there are, are a lot of roles that, that we still play, you know, like, I think there was a book called the second shift and that's kind of, so, and I think when we have children that we really feel like that responsibility for us to be at home and with, with them is really important. And Mm -hmm. I, and I don't take any, I just think it's really hard to find that balance. I was really fortunate. My husband just, he, he never, I mean, he just always was there to pitch in, whether it be Saturday meets. We had, I mean, it it was just one of those things. I mean, I really feel fortunate to have a spouse that has supported me. Um, you know, my parents were there, you know, when my son needed um, somebody to pick him up um, at daycare or after school. My mom was always there. My dad was there. Um, Steve, my husband's mom was there. So, and, and my husband was there. So I think we had a really, um, a really strong network of people to pitch in and help. And we weren't afraid to ask for that help either. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so it, it does seem like there are a lot more, even on like the, the girl side of like cross country specifically, the male coaches, what, a what would you say to those coaches? Like what advice would you give them as they are coaching females? I think one thing I've noticed is there's like a ton of value in having female assistants who can mm-hmm. connect with the athletes in a way that they maybe can't. I think, I think that that's, uh, that's, I think that that's really important. I mean, men have coached women for years and, and they've done a great job. And I don't, I mean, I don't, I just think that, that, and and maybe, I mean, like you're different than the male coaches that I had um, 40 years ago or 30 years ago. I think, I mean, you're a little bit, more I don't I don't know maybe a little bit more accepting of the fact that women can be athletes too I mean they weren't that wasn't something that was readily accepted you know in the late 70s early 80s had to be you know you had to be exceptional to be accepted into those ranks Mm, definitely what a little switch of, of topic, but what uh what motivates you as a coach? Like the when the tough days come around, what uh what gets you through? Um, that there's tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that there's some that there's some maybe some no, that well, because I, I don't know, like, you know, if you have a bad if 
Like if you have a bad day, the bad day is it in training? Maybe the bad day is in um, getting bad news about an injury. Um, those are the worst. Mm. Those are the worst. And um, and and my gosh, your heart breaks for every student athlete that you have that that happens to. I mean, so um, I guess. I guess we just keep pushing forward um, and and know that that if it look back and make sure that if there were mistakes made in training that we don't make those same mistakes twice mm. and that we are much more careful and that we look back look back at those through our training calendars and logs and make sure where did this happen? What happened? Where was the trans, where was that turning point for that particular injury? That's probably the worst part of any coaching is that is to have a, um, any, any kid that is, that gets injured and it's a season ending injury. Yeah. There's like so much about coaching is out of our control. Uh, were there any moments in your coaching career where you thought about like not coaching anymore or questioning if you really wanted to keep going? Oh, oh, that first year of that track and field, <laughs> I was like, it was really, it was really challenging. I didn't know. I didn't. I, and I still probably am not worthy, but I'm, I feel more comfortable in that role that was a really a really hard transition for me to make um i i was not very good at i i didn't know how to balance all of those things i still i'm not perfect at it um i'm learning every single day but but i know i can write here here's the thing i do know i can write a running workout so <laughs> so <laughs> So I feel confident in that, but, um, but that was probably the, the hardest, that first year of being the head track coach was really, really hard. Yeah. Have you grown to enjoy it at all? I, I do enjoy it. And I enjoyed it that year too, because I had great kids who were incredible, um, um, with their support and my friend Anne, she comes back and she, um, she continues to help, um, on a volunteer basis and that that really um that helps me breathe a little bit to yeah. know that i have good people around me that want the program to continue being successful absolutely uh what have been i guess through your whole coaching career maybe some favorite or least favorite moments that we haven't touched on yet well in cross country obviously um kids who become all state and then those two podium finishes. I mean, you gotta, wow. Those are few and far between. I mean, I mean, maybe not, I, I don't know, maybe not for you, but they, they have been for, for us. I mean, we've seen the state meet 21 times and been on the podium twice. Mm. So, you know, those are, those are unforgettable moments for, um, for us. And I'd have to say, you know, anytime our kids score a medal in the state track and field meet, that is just, and or to win a state championship, you know, watching Grace Walter win a state championship in the 1600, I was like, oh my gosh, I was in tears. Mm -hmm. I was in tears. Anytime, anytime they, um, anytime that those are magic moments 
those are magic moments. Mm, absolutely. And, and, and it doesn't happen for everybody. I mean, how many coaches throughout the state have never had a kid podium, mm. never had a team podium. And, and so we know, we know how, how difficult that task is. Yeah. Um, one last question. Um, so I, I knew who you were before I even like reached out to you. Um, because this one reason you're cheering. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> I was actually, I was standing pretty close to you, um, at indoor state and it was awesome to see just like how into it you were. Um, have you always been like that? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm probably so annoying. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can't, I, you know, it's just, I, I mean, I, I don't know why I do it. I just, um, it, it's, it's, I don't, it's passion. I am so passionate about when I do it on the, I do it when we're doing workouts, you know, I mean, it's, it's part of, what I do. I, I shout splits. I know exactly. Um, I know exactly where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. So that I don't, I don't know. I know shouting is, I know I, maybe I could put a lid on a little bit, but it's pretty exciting. It's exciting. Awesome. Isn't it exciting to watch your, yours, the work that's come together and all of a sudden there it all is on the, when they're toeing the line and, and it's starting to unfold and you're like, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes. <laughs> I know. And you like want so badly for it to go well for them. <laughs> um, but I know, I think it's awesome. I, I feel like most, most people cheer in kind of a similar way, but yours is like very distinct. I feel like oh. I'm sure your athletes appreciate it. I'm sure they can, they can pick it out of the crowd. That's awesome. They yeah, they they can. <laughs> cool. Well, is there anything else that uh, that we missed? Anything else you wanted to talk about? I not not that no. I I think we've covered just about everything. I hope that you know it, it was something some some nuggets that somebody can take away. I don't know. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's been interesting to see. Like, so this will be episode thirty. Um, just like what what stuck out to people um like from episode to episode i'm like really that's what you took away from that episode but it's yeah it's just it's a personal thing and you never know like what i don't know what's going to stick out to someone what's really going to change things for someone so very good i don't know it was awesome i, I really appreciate you well, taking thank you <laughs> thank you and i'll i'll try to put a lid on my voice whenever um um whenever i'm um on the field <laughs> <laughs> no no it's awesome on the track <laughs> passion. it's really just all that passion coming out <laughs> yeah no keep doing it it's awesome thank you yeah. thank you for your time absolutely thank you it. again for coming on all right have a good night take care okay. thank right, you buddy bye bye Thank you.